0: Um, chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. You can find that on page 993 in the Church Bible. I'm starting at verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70, but 70 times seven. Therefore the kingdom of God may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. As I had mercy on you, and in anger his master delivered him to the jailers, until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart.
1: Well, let me add my uh, welcome this morning. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> thank you. Uh, half of Tim's here. That's exciting. Sorry. Sidetracked. Uh, not yet. Okay. Praying. It's due tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, let me pray as we uh, get into this passage. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word to us and uh, thank you uh, that it uh, hits our hearts and hits us in our world where we are. And Father, we just pray this morning that you might help us to understand your forgiveness and that we might be transformed by it, and that we might indeed uh, be compassionate and forgiving like you are to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, anyone read any Stephen Bidoff or been to any of his um, father parenting? Yeah, one person. Does anyone? Two people. There you go. Um, you know who he... Have you been to one? No, no okay, okay. Uh, he's an Australian psychologist, uh, and he's written a whole bunch of books. Uh, in in one of his books, uh, The New Manhood, he, which was in 2010, so I don't know if that's new anymore, but um, he, he, he writes uh, that in a room full of 100 men, uh, 33 will have not spoken to their father in decades. Uh, another 33 of the 100 men will speak to their fathers, but it will end badly, Uh, you know, words are said, doors are slammed. Uh, He said the other 33, another 33 uh, will... say they have an okay relationship with their father, they kind of catch up, maybe they have a meal once a week, um, but they do not have a warm relationship, it's kind of a duty they feel to their dad. And he says about one man in a hundred can say they have a warm, functional, relational relationship with their father. So he says, a warm relationship with their father. Now, is that astonishing? Are people thinking... So in a room like us here, we don't have a hundred men here, so we might not have that one (laughs) relationship with our dad. That is, you know, maybe there's a quarter of us. Anyway, um, but he's saying, well, for us to actually be fathers, be children and husbands. We actually need to be reconciled with our earthly fathers. And and obviously for this to happen, he says, is you need forgiveness. And we we need to be able to offer forgiveness and receive forgiveness. And we are thinking about the topic of want forgiveness. And I'm not sure when you heard that topic what you thought. Maybe you uh, thought, "Mm, not sure who I want forgiveness from, but I know there are... uh, offering forgiveness and how hard it is to offer real, true uh, forgiveness. I think that's all of us, if we've lived long enough. We know that this is a real part of living in relationship with people. Uh, It is actually a part that there are people whom we love, friends, family, those around us, who have hurt us. And deep down there is... Uh, hurt pain when they've sinned against us and now that person might be sitting right next to you who's caused you the most hurt and pain you might have um, maybe it's others in your family or work friends uh, or those that you grew up with that they said something that's really just caused you deep pain and you've said to yourself or to others this pain is so great what was done was so wrong, it's caused me so much hurt, these wounds are too deep that I will never be able to forgive that person. There's no way. And to think that God would ask me to forgive, he's just got no idea of the reality that I'm in. Forgiveness, it's a key part of all of our lives to be able to live together. It's we have to be able to offer forgiveness and receive forgiveness. And this passage actually is about the transforming power of when you meet Jesus and you know his forgiveness, that actually knowing that, receiving his forgiveness actually transforms people to be able to offer and receive forgiveness. It's kind of one of the extended teachings of Jesus on uh, uh, forgiveness that he has in his word. And it's not like an essay or a treat, he doesn't have dot points, he tells us a gripping story and uh, it's actually quite a tragic one, it's a tragic story and it reflects deeply on the topic of forgiveness and um, knowing you are forgiven and how it has the power to transform and offer forgiveness. Now the world he's in, uh, we've jumped into Matthew 18 uh, and Peter, he knows the world we're in, he knows that we... If we want to live in relationship with anyone, we will need to be able to offer forgiveness. And there is sin and hurt that we do to each other. Uh, That happens outside the church, but it also happens within the church. Uh, Here he's particularly talking within, and Peter asked Jesus a really practical question. How often do I have to forgive? Uh, Have a look there. Have your Bible open. We're going to kind of work through this a little bit, this passage. Uh, Verse 21, Peter came up to Jesus and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. You hear what he's saying? Is there a, you know, Jesus, Lord, uh, is there a limit to how many times I ought to forgive my brother? Uh, In Jewish culture, uh, there was culturally it was about three times that the rabbis taught that you would Forgive someone who sinned against you. So, if someone hurt you and they, you know, you'd forgive them. If they hurt you again, you would forgive them. If they hurt you again, you'd forgive them. But then the fourth time, you'd cut them loose. No more. Uh, and, and Peter's kind of like, I see what the rabbis are saying. I've been around you, Jesus, long enough that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to double it plus add one. So he says seven. Now, seven's obviously, you know, a, a complete number in the Bible, but. I think he's, you know, he's obviously going, okay, there's something to this. What's Jesus going to answer? Now, three times for their culture. I think that's pretty good, isn't it? You know, uh, what's our culture like? Do do we get three times? No. We get one and then if you you know, if it happens once, man, you get publicly shamed, you get canceled. There's no hope of restoration. Uh, There's no room for an apology. It's cut off. You're dead to me. And it's not just kind of that kind of online cancel culture. We do that relationally, don't we? (laughs) I'm not going to go there. I don't want to get hurt again. They're dead to me. But we have that old kind of revenge culture, don't we? Uh, You know, don't get mad, just get even. An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Our instinctive human response is to get someone back. Now, we don't really use the word revenge, do we? It's a bit full-on. Well, we wouldn't want to use that. But we do kind of use other words like stand up for yourself, be assertive, be strong. You know, and this often is celebrated in our culture. Now, what Jesus says to Peter and to us today is actually, I think, quite a rude shock to us. And it can really haunt us. Have a look in verse 22 there. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Now, the number there, it can be, you know, seventy-seven or seventy times seven. So, you know, seventy-seven or four hundred and ninety times. But the point, I think, you know, it can be translated that way, is not to get caught up on the numbers. You know, he's not wanting us to get our tally out and then once someone hits four hundred and ninety-one, we think, good, good. Finally, you're dead to me. Now, he's saying, no, it's actually the point is there's no limit to the forgiveness we are to offer one another. For those who have met Jesus, who follow Jesus, uh, uh, forgiveness is a way of life. It's a pattern of which we are to hold out to others. It's a posture we are to have. And his gripping story, the logic's quite easy, isn't it? That's what he goes on to explain in the in the next big chunk, uh, twenty from twenty three to thirty four. It's the logic's quite simple, but it's shocking to us. So there's a king, you know, who's owed a massive debt uh, by a servant. Uh, the servant then the king then forgives the servant, but then the servant who has been forgiven a massive debt then goes and doesn't offer forgiveness. And then what happens? That servant then meets the king again and he is called wicked and punished for being unforgiving. Now, I don't want to go through the the story in detail, but I do want to pull out a few notes for us to reflect on. Um, Notice verse 23, what Jesus is comparing this story to. See, in verse 23, he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Just, just notice that. See, what he's saying is this, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of God is like. It has a king who is like this king, uh, and he acts like those towards his servants, those in his world. And then you get verse 24, we get this settling of account. Uh, he's owed 10,000 talents. Now, anyone have an idea how much a talent is? Some people do. Uh, a talent um, was, in your footnote, if you're in your Bible, it was 20 years labour for uh, wages for a labourer. So I've been heard that's around, if you take it to modern day terms, around $400 billion. And um, you know, that's more than the gross national products of 80% of the countries in the world. That's how much this servant was in debt to the king. So verse 25, the servant's clearly unable to pay it. And so the king comes to settle the accounts. Uh, At the time, you couldn't really just file for bankruptcy. Uh, You were held responsible for the debt. And it's not just them, the spouses and children, often they went to slavery as a result. So verse 26, this servant kind of pleads for mercy, doesn't he? He says, have patience with me for me to repay Which then you get this, notice what the king does in verse 27. He says, Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. He forgives him. He he cancels the debt, that huge sum owing to him. Now I want us just to pick, what is it about this king here? What must be true about the king for him to do that? Uh, Call it out. What must be true for this king to be able to do that to this debt? He can afford it. it. So he must be wealthy. Yeah, he can incur that cost to his wealth. Anything else true about this king? Compassionate. Compassionate. Why compassionate? Uh, Off Off with the head, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 he's, he's compassionate. And I, I think that's right, like he, he listens and he forgives him. But there's, did you notice what the servant asked for and what the king gave him? Which I think also adds to his compassion there. What does the servant ask? I just want time. I can pay this back. Just give me time sir. And the king, he gives him far more than he asked for. He says, no, nah, I'm going to cancel it. I'm going to wipe it clean. And he just cancels the debt. See, Jesus is making a point about what it is like in the kingdom of heaven is like, where God is like that king. He's a far better king that gives you far more than you would dare to ask or dream of. And there is an assumption, isn't there, at this story that Jesus tells, that, that actually this is, it's a story, but it's a story that is compared to reality, Right? And so the reality is that there is actually a king like this king here who will one day call account and settle the things for his people. Uh, There is a king of this world who will come into his world and he will call it into account. See, while we learn about the compassionate God, we also learn something about us with this story, don't we? That the assumption is that all of us, before this God have a a crushing debt an overwhelming debt that we cannot pay before God our king we have all enjoyed his world we're all his creature he's everything we're giving him but our life without him has been has like been we're amassing a massive debt to this king and the trouble is for all of us I take it is that we find it hard to see this don't we you think, how, what do you mean we have this huge debt to God? Uh, I think that's because we all live among people who have a massive debt and we just don't notice it. Um, I heard the illustration. It's like um, the difference between the hand and the eye. Uh, this week I got a bit of dirt in my eye and um, a tiny little speck. and It just bothered me for days, right? But if you get a bit of speck on your hand... You're just like, oh yeah, whatever. Uh, You know, you look at it. You might even notice it. If you look at it, you think, when I get to the sink, I'll wash it. Uh, This is what it's like. It's the difference between a speck of dirt on your hand and your eye. We are kind of living in a world amongst sin, amongst hurt and pain, where uh, we have rebelled against God. But we don't see that rebellion until we meet God. And then when we meet God, it shocks us. It shocks us to the size of the debt we're in. And the uh, what shocks us is that, hey, hang on, how do we have that kind of debt? But I think what offends God is the thought that we can think we can pay it back, that we can be like that servant. You see, the servant has no idea what he is saying in verse 26, does he, when he says, just give me time, I'll pay it back. He thinks he can somehow pay off this huge debt, that this the size of the debt... The point of the size of debt is that it's impossible to pay it back. And you read verse 26 once you know the $400 billion, you think, this is, this is kind of laughable, isn't it? You know, have patience with me, God, and I'll pay you everything. Don't we kind of do this relationally with God? You know, we think or assume our debt is not that bad. Oh, you know, if I just do a series of good works, maybe that will offset the bad things that I've done. Maybe, um, you know, our, my, the way I live with my family and care for my family will offset how I treat God. See, it's not until we see a speck of dust in relation to God, the scale of the debt, and how unrealistic and pathetic our offers are. You know, I don't know if you've said, if I go to church, you know, if you forgive me, I go to church every week. You know, I'll try harder to be a better person. It's as silly and laughable as saying, I'll pay $400 billion back with $5 a month repayment scheme. It's just, it's just laughable. See, with a debt this size, the only hope we have is the compassion, the mercy and the forgiveness of God himself. And this, friends, is at the heart of the Christian message. The, the enormity of our debt, but also the character, the goodness... The mercy and the forgiveness of the king. Uh, that is freely available to anyone who repents. But for God to offer us this kind of radical forgiveness, it does not come cheaply, does it? It costs Him. A true forgiveness is always costly, isn't it? Uh, why is that? We'll have a look at verse, sentence 27, where we, we see what forgiveness is. He says, Out of pity for Him, the master of the servant released Him and forgave Him the debt. There's two features there of forgiveness. One is that compassion, that pity that he had and he no longer treats uh, us or they no longer treat the person as they deserve. But secondly, it's the decision to cancel the debt, uh, to absorb the cost of the debt themselves. See, forgiveness is always costly. Um, a friend borrows your car, uh, he to- like, drives it, totals, totals it into a tree... Uh, and he has no ability to pay it back. Now, you may say, I forgive you. Uh, but the price of the total car on the tree, uh, it, it doesn't kind of disappear, does it? There's a there's a cost to you to offer that forgiveness. It doesn't evaporate into thin air. So either you have to find the money yourself to buy a new car or you go without one. But there's a cost to offer forgiveness. Um and the, the, the way of saying forgiveness, it means you're choosing to not hold that cost against the offender, the person who's offending you, but you, be, you bear it. That is why I take it in our relationships, it's so hard to offer forgiveness. Because what you're saying is that those real hurt, the real pain, the real wrongs you've done to me, I'm not going to hold that against you, but I'm going to forgive you. And you have to incur that cost within yourself. You're choosing not to make them bear the cost, but you're bearing the cost within yourself. The same is true of God. For him to offer us forgiveness, it costs him dearly. And the only solution he had was to go to the cross. His one and only son and his death. And if you remember the cost for him, the prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane where he's dripping blood saying, is there any other way to forgive? Is there any other way to bear this sin? Is there any other way to take this cup of Andy Boots's sin away? But he doesn't. He goes through with it. And he went to the cross for you and I. Now, this debt that is wiped clean uh, is, is, you know, it's not part but it's the whole. it's not 10 cents of the dollar. he's not got a Centrelink repayment scheme. It's removed, completely removed. And it's forgiveness is different from just ignoring that it happened. It's different from pretending it didn't exist. Uh, forgiveness is actually always involves acknowledging the real wrongs, the real sins, but then choosing to not hold that against them and to incur the cost yourself. You can imagine being that servant 400 billion and he says forgive you can imagine just the weight what it, what it would have felt like to know oh, consequences of my debt gone completely removed a fresh start forgiveness i take it this forgiveness that the christian has in knowing god and that he offers in jesus is the reason why jesus says at the start there's no limit to your forgiveness because of the, the abundant forgiveness that God has offered us. See, to withhold forgiveness from someone else is actually to functionally say, I have no idea of what it costs God to offer me forgiveness. I have no idea of the depth of my own debt, sin, and evil. And for, for Jesus, he's saying, if you know this forgiveness, uh, not giving forgiveness to someone else is not an option. Uh, It's costly, Uh, the enormous debt of the servant. That's what makes what the servant did so shocking, doesn't it? In verse 28. You know, when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Seizing him, he began to choke him. Pay what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. Have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. You see... Matthew and Jesus are using exactly the same words, really, of the servants in verse 26 and 29. Have patience with me, I'll pay you. uh, To highlight and contrast the the difference between the servants' actions and the king's. This servant forgiven so much, yet he forgives so little. He refuses to forgive for just a hundred silver coins. Nothing in comparison to the debt owed to the king. When the master hears what he's done, he calls him. In verse 32, he calls him a wicked servant. I forgave all that the debt, 33, because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he said he should pay his debt. See, Jesus' point is quite clear here, isn't it? If you have experienced the forgiveness of God, your debt completely removed then failing to forgive others is an expression of wickedness. It's actually an expression and the king punishes him for it. But the converse is also true, isn't it? If you do know and have received the forgiveness, then you will seek to offer forgiveness to all those who have sinned against you. You will have a posture of forgiveness. Uh, That's his point in verse 35 where he comes out of the, the story and he says, so also my heavenly father will do every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. So he's not saying that if you forgive someone, then you'll go to heaven. Uh, he's not saying if you don't forgive, then you'll go to hell. No, he's saying if you don't forgive your, your neighbour, your brother, your sister, it is a sign that you have not really received the forgiveness of God. It's a sign that your heart is not open to his grace. Uh, The illustration I found helpful there is it's like the fruit on a tree. You know, we've got a mango tree out there, um, and at this time of year it's got fruit on it, right? But imagine you've got two mango trees next to each other, uh, and one of them has fruit and the other doesn't. Uh, You'd assume one is healthy and alive, the one that's out there, and the other one that has no fruit is dying or diseased. See, the fruit doesn't give the tree life, but the fruit reveals that the tree has life. And what Jesus is saying to us is there's no better way to tell if you have a real relationship with God on the basis of grace than if you see if you forgive others from the heart. So if you're here and you know that forgiveness, Jesus wants you to have that posture of forgiveness to those around you, to those who hurt you. Now... I've got three reflections just to kind of end on here. I, I think this is really hard, what Jesus is saying. I, I feel like living this out, having a posture of forgiveness is incredibly hard. And I know many people there's been, uh, would have many hurts and pains and they might say, you don't, you don't get how badly and painful I've been hurt. How can Jesus be asking me to offer forgiveness to this person? And I think what you'd want to do with your heart is say, even if you can't offer forgiveness now, realise it's a process. And, and you could pray to God and say, you know, I can't offer it now, but I want to be able to offer it. And if you can't even want to want that, you can ask God to want to want you to help to want to offer forgiveness. Whatever it is, Jesus is saying, that's the posture you are to have. And pray that God would help you he wants you to get on that forgiveness train. He wants you to get there, uh, because he's saying, if you know the forgiveness of God, those who call Jesus Lord, forgiveness is not, unforgiveness is not an option. But I do also want to say there is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Uh, have a look. Turn with me to Luke 17, uh, verses three and four there. Luke 17. 17, verse 3 and 4. So Jesus is saying, um, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Now, what's the difference between that one and the, the Matthew 18 story Jesus told? Is there, is there any difference? I'm assuming there is. I'm telling you there's a difference. It might be too early for you guys to think, oh. Is there a significant difference there? Yes, rebuke. So, so there's, a, there's an active bringing the sins before the person who's offended you. Yes, Repentance. Yep. There's a, there's a key if in these verses there, isn't there? He says, you know, you bring it and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times and turns to you seventeen, saying, I repent, you must forgive. See, here it seems like there's, there's almost, is there a condition for repentance? Uh, but in Matthew 18, it seems like there's, there's no uh, explicit kind of, expression of repentance required to offer that forgiveness see i I take it that's because forgiveness there's it's not a single act it's not a a once-off but a a process and a series of decisions so you can offer forgiveness one party can offer forgiveness you know you can choose to no longer treat them as they deserve to absorb the cost and hurt and pain within yourself uh, to want their good not evil without having them repent. But you cannot have reconciliation. You cannot have a restored relationship unless they repent, unless they get what they've done wrong uh, and they own it, they, they genuinely seek forgiveness. Uh, and so it takes two parties to have reconciliation but it only has one party to be able to offer forgiveness. And even that's complex, right? The reconciliation, like I I feel like there's there's a whole complexity of what that looks like in practice for us Uh, because the nature of reconciliation and forgiveness will probably be different around different things because you can forgive a person and report them to the police. They're, They're not mutually exclusive things. You can forgive a person and set boundaries around how you relate to them. Uh, it's a it's a complex thing and it's not a blanket. If you forgive, then you have to be restored back into relationship. But there's a process and it takes time and two parties for reconciliation. The other um, piece, as I was reflecting on this forgiveness, is just how much sulking I do. I don't know, I don't know if you do this. This might just be just me. Um... But um, I, often, so I often do it to Miri and I, I often so I'm married to Miri and um, there was a, I remember I was reflecting on times where there'd be days where I'd hold on to something where I felt like Miri had wronged me. I wouldn't want to tell her because she would say I'm sorry but I'd want to hold on to it and, um, and it just kind of grew. And so what that looks like is like I'd wake up and I'd be cold enough for her to know that there was something not quite right, but warm enough for her to go, "Mm, maybe it's just me, I'm reading into it. And I remember one time it lasted like four days. And um, by the end of it, I couldn't remember what I was upset with her about. (laughs) And I remember it just took so much effort and energy to try to do this dance of, you're going to feel the hurt and pain of that, uh, and to hold on to that hurt. And I remember me saying, is something, you know, not saying, "Is there?" she was saying, "I know there's something wrong. Why don't you just tell me so we can talk about it?" But um, <laughs> I don't know if you do that, but I just I think what uh, I was reflecting on for myself is the only hurt and pain that caused is, was for me, <laughs> um, it was producing a bit of heart within myself, and holding on to it actually didn't help at all. It only hurt me. Uh, and so the encouragement is to let go uh, and let God's grace transform you. How know forgiven? How do you know you're forgiven? Do you offer forgiveness to others? And the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we meet the compassionate king, King Jesus. He's, he's the one who has pity and compassion and he, that word in verse 27 describes Jesus. It's the word that commonly describes him uh, and that is his badge. Uh, he went to the cross so that we would know that he's compassionate and he bore the penalty for us. Friends, this wants us to drink deeply of the forgiveness that we have received in Jesus and so that we might be able to offer forgiveness, whatever that we are that on the forgiveness train, to, to jump on it. Uh, I did come across a story of forgiveness, which is uh, Corrie Ten Boom. I don't know if you guys know Corrie Ten Boom. Uh, she was... Uh, worked against the Nazis in World War II. Uh, she was hiding Jews in her home. And when she was caught, she was taken to a concentration camp uh, where she and her dad and her sister, Betsy, uh, were stripped of all dignity and they suffered at the hands of the people, more than you could imagine. Uh, and then she, when, she, when it, the war ended, she became somewhat of a speaker in churches around forgiveness. And uh, she tells a story where she was at a church in Munich and she saw for the first time the SS man who had stood guard over her at the processing centre in Ravensbrook. Uh, and it was the first time he'd actually seen the jailers uh, in, uh, since the war. Uh, he, he came up to her after her talk uh, and he said to her, I'm so grateful for your message to think that, as you say, he washed away my sins. And he put his hand out to shake Corrie ten Boom's. Uh, She said she felt like she couldn't lift her hand. She said what she'd often preached to others, she needed to know herself in this moment. And so she kept her hand by herself and that anger welled up within her. It's as though the thoughts boiled within And I saw the sin of them. And then she said she saw that Jesus died for this man. And was I going to ask more of him? And she said, she prayed, Lord, please forgive me and help me to forgive him. So she struggled to get uh, warmth or anything out of it and she uh, lifted her hands and and as she kind of shook this man's hand, she says the most incredible thing happened Uh, From my shoulder along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. She says, I discovered that it is not our forgiveness any more than the goodness that the world needs, but it's actually Jesus' forgiveness that this world needs. Uh, And he gives those who know that forgiveness the ability to forgive others. See, she knew that her king had forgiven her, and friends, can I finish by saying, whatever hurt and pain we're really facing, uh, it is the power of God's forgiveness that we've been given that will, from the inside out, enable us to offer forgiveness. Uh, so let's let it shape us and be a community of forgiven people. Let me pray. Um, Heavenly Father, your uh, word is good and your forgiveness of our great debt is amazing. And Father, we pray that we'd be so marked by people who... Know that forgiveness, know the enormity of our debt, but that we offer genuine, real forgiveness from the heart to others. And please, by your Spirit, work in us so that would be a mark of our community. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Praise God, our King, who is compassionate, He's merciful, and He's forgiving. Let's sing together.